2: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And although we are not professional sports bettors, we do like to impart small pieces of advice and wisdom from time to time, like not going crazy with parlay bets, shopping around for value, etc. Well, this past week, John stumbled upon an important one. Always double check your bet amount before placing the bet. Care to explain, John?
1: Uh, Yes, this was at a a site relatively new to me, you know, for New Hampshire subscribers and other states, um, you have it, well, pretty simple, right? Here's the legal line, take it or leave it. In New Jersey, we have more than 20 mobile sportsbook options. So each one operates at least a little bit different than the others for the most part. So I meant to wager a measly five bucks in the Mets game last week and I accidentally bet 50 and confirmed it. And there I was, way out of my comfort zone, except that I already will be making literally hundreds of dollars this week. I can't lose promos. So well, my first instinct was just bet either like 50 against the Mets or something close to it. No, I decided to let it ride. Uh, I knew I was playing with house money, so it wasn't exactly high risk either. Not a lot of tension. Mayor. My process was I knew the Mets starting pitch would last longer than the Nationals counterpart. And of course, the Nationals bullpen is terrible. We all know that. Sure enough, the Mets started pitch a rare complete game, which wound up being six innings as a 4-3 road loss in a seven-inning second game with doubleheader. Mm. So that was such a mind fart on my part that I deserved to lose. So I didn't really mind. But this minor episode also cuts it to my eagerness to wage hundreds or even thousands of dollars as a free bet this week at various Jersey books. And they're out there. Believe me. Now, I can make a thousand dollar mistake and not have to start, you know, paying the minimum on a credit card. But <laughs> the key to life is you have to know what you know and know what you don't know. And I, I don't know if I can make that larger wager and not miss something in the fine print that really leaves me on the hook.
2: I think you set a new personal record for audible, exasperated exhales during uh, that explanation. Yeah, (laughs) it's bad. bad. So I actually had this exact same thing happen to me in poker. Uh, Exact same Mm. dollar amounts, even. Uh, This was was in 2005, my first time playing online poker, my first funded account. Uh, I'd been playing for a, a few weeks, maybe even a few months at the time, whatever the site was Bodog, which was no more or less legal than any other site at the time. I had about 70 bucks in my account and I was practicing relatively careful bankroll management playing $5 heads up sit and goes. And I accidentally clicked on a $50 game somehow without realizing it. You know, it's a little different than typing in a bet amount and adding a zero. I I clicked on the wrong game, but still, same result. Suddenly, more than 70% of my bankroll was at stake in a single game. Um, I did th- win that game, uh, but, uh, yeah. but I, I was figuratively sweating bullets. Um, it's just weird how, you know, $50 of real money was not make or break for me, but $50 as a portion of the bankroll that I had to play online mm-hmm. poker with yeah. that made me nervous. But, um, anyway, yeah, uh, as you said, the, uh, the books give you basically a free $50 often enough, uh, that it's, it's only fair you that you do it once in return, John.
1: Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's weird. I thought this was going to be like a sweat, but it's still their money. I, you know, I lost <laughs> it. Right. I, I felt nothing, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in the adrenaline rush that I, uh, a runner or a, a gambler really has, but uh, I thought this would give me a little sense of it. But knowing that, you know, and I, I got, you know, the next day somebody scored one point or something or whatever, and I got, you know, fifty bucks, and it's like, well, that's I'm even now. So that's right. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't exciting. It was stupid, and I'm glad you won on that one time because it seems like you never win like, Oh, it's a big number, but I might win then, you know, but I thought you never won, but you did. So that's good to know. I did that
2: one time, although that also became the uh, first and fortunately last uh, online poker bank role that I actually ran down to zero with, ev- without ever cashing anything out. So I won temporarily, but, uh, but in the end I lost.
1: Yeah, the house always wins. <laughs> yep.
2: All right. Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 159 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 158 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. And please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Uh, though if you accidentally give us a 50-star rating, that's okay too.
1: Yeah, I deserve that one. Ouch. (laughs) Um, Coming up a little later in the show, I'm going to be joined by Grant Niefer of ScoresAndOdds.com and Roto-Grinders as he helps us preview the NFL season. We'll get his thoughts on how COVID protocols and the addition of a 17th game might or might not impact lines and betting, whether Tampa Bay is a candidate for Super Bowl hangover, which usually happens, and whose odds he likes for MVP. But first, it's been a thankfully not as busy as usual short week in the world of gambling expansion news, so let's get to it.
3: Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
2: NFL talk will dominate our interview segment and much of our bankroll segment this week. And we'll kick off the news segment with some NFL wagering talk as well. On Tuesday, the American Gaming Association released its annual survey on Americans NFL betting plans. And the headline is that 45.2 million of us plan to wager in some form this NFL season, up 36 percent from the 2020 season. The numbers are up across the board. Those who will bet casually with friends is up 31%. Those who will bet online is up 73%. Fantasy and pool participation is up 69%. And even bookies can apparently expect a 13% increase in customers. Uh, Other nuggets from the survey, 63% of NFL fans believe in-stadium sportsbooks add entertainment value to the live experience. The Northeast is the region with the highest percentage of football fans interested in betting. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the most popular pick to win the Super Bowl. John, what are your takeaways from this year's survey? Any surprises?
1: Well, you know, it, it reinforces the vast divide, I think, between professional sports bettors and diehard sports fans. The, the former group has been wagering and making a living online for decades, and many of them haven't wavered an inch, I suspect, even though their states are now legal. They stick with their offshore books. But the average Joe has some sense of questions of legality with those books and maybe pretty content with his lot in life and doesn't want even a small risk of, uh, sorry, honey, I was sure I'd never get busted for this hello, hello, this is a bad connection. I need bell money. <laughs> yeah, they, they, don't, they don't want that call. So uh, even even in their dreams or nightmares. So they waited for clearly legal sports books and here they are. Uh, and as for the bookie boost, I would add, you know, sure a subsection who get into checking point spreads and prices now will learn that they may do better on those fronts with a, a bookie and go in that direction. And then finally, my Northeast bias gets confirmed. Betting on sports <laughs> has been in our blood for a hundred years now. Yeah.
2: It's interesting that these numbers are all compared with 2020 when 2020 was an outlier year on a lot of fronts. Um, You know, when you write your New Jersey monthly revenue articles, you'll often compare to 2019 since 2020's numbers for certain months are irrelevant. So I, I had some small instinct to think, well, enthusiasm was down in 2020. So being way up from 2020 doesn't mean that much. But then I thought about it some more. And, you know, betting records were set throughout the 2020 football season. So I'm scratching that thought. I I think these numbers are highly meaningful and they speak to the expansion of legalized sports betting and just how ubiquitous and mainstream the commercials and the betting talk has become. And, you know, the uh, to use a cliche, the rising tide lifts all boats. These numbers suggest that legal sports betting has not diminished fantasy play or DFS play or office pools or anything else. It's all up across the board. If there is a surprise to me, it's that, that bookie number. Um, But I guess this really proves that the the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I'm not quite sure how bookies are still thriving in States where there is legal betting on every single game available on your phone. But um, I guess a lot of them are.
1: Oh, I'm not surprised at all. Like I said, that you know, we hate to admit this, but there are times when they have better uh, lines, and uh, and also, unfortunately, if you take a compulsive gambler, he's getting used to betting a lot, and then oh, wait a minute, I don't have any money in the account, I can't bet. What do I do? Well, it's not too hard just unfortunately to look around. Oh, they'll take your money. They'll take a yeah. credit card. They'll yeah. uh, they'll let you uh, you know, let it ride. You can keep going. Don't worry. And you know, I hate to say it, but that's probably a decent part of that 13% increase too.
3: Yeah,
2: that's that's a good point. Um, but yeah, re- even before I had seen of this survey result, uh, of course, I was fully expecting all sorts of betting records to fall this uh this football season. Uh this just underlines how certain that is. I'd be shocked if September isn't the biggest regulated sports betting month in history. And I'd be uh, shocked again, if that record isn't then topped a time or two or three by December.
1: Spoiler alert, New Jersey uh, hits 1 billion in handle in September. Absolutely. It's coming. Yep. Agreed.
2: All right. Our second story this week focuses on data partnerships or data partnerships. I never did figure out uh, which way I should be pronouncing it. And I will definitely flip flop back and forth over the course of this segment and uh, all podcasts to come. In any case, uh... me too. So uh, specifically, the data company Genius Sports inked multiple new deals this week, first with Caesar Sportsbook and then a day later with WinBet and 888, the latter of which powers the new SI Sportsbook in Colorado. We should note Genius already had a relationship with DraftKings prior to this. Another note, all of these sportsbooks receive Genius's proprietary NFL next-gen stats, along with their standard data feeds. Uh, so here's how it works. These sportsbooks pay Genius for data, and Genius has paid the NFL to be the league's official data provider, outbidding SportRadar and others for that honor. If this system sounds like an alternative to the integrity fees the leagues were mostly unable to collect, that's because that's pretty much what it is. Uh, John, thoughts on all the money changing hands over official data feeds? And is there a chance everyone is over-investing in this and, and live betting won't be as huge a percentage of the business in the U.S. as everyone is convinced it'll be?
1: Well, you know, this is exactly what the grownups in the room wanted two or three years ago. Hey, NFL, if your official data is so great, why are you trying to make state lawmakers your enforcers mandating your product? Here, the free market is deciding, and that's fine with us. And as for live betting, you know, come mothers and fathers throughout the land. Don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. And what they demand is fast-switch instant-action products. I mean, the science is there shows that today's young brains are wired dramatically differently from old ones like mine. And you know, at worst, okay, maybe there's overpays here for a year or two because the transition to utter dominance of live betting takes slightly longer than we think, but the odds there are changing. Soon after every play.
2: (laughs) Uh Bob Dylan said it better than I probably could. Uh I'm 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 not into the live betting much myself. Uh, Um it it is certainly the most similar form of sports betting to casino gambling. You know, if you crave constant action, decision after decision, as if you're playing a video game. If if that's your thing, then it, it fits that. And uh, you know, there there are some customers who I guess love it, uh, but for me it's sensory overload. I'm not into it. Um I will say about this whole paying for data thing, yes, it's, it's kind of a racket and the leagues have smartly and also greedily positioned themselves to benefit. But I guess it's a racket that serves a purpose. You know, the, the data is valuable to the sports books. So in that way, it's better than integrity fees where you were theoretically paying for something that ought to come free. You know, the the trust that the league gives half a damn about cheating and fixed games. You shouldn't have to pay for that. So I guess I, I prefer this slightly uh, even though the money's all ending up in the same place. Um, And and just one note about those next gen stats. Um, I noticed the option on DraftKings Sportsbook to bet on all sorts of stuff based on those. Like I saw one, you know, who will be tracked with the fastest run down the field in the league all season. (laughs) I have to say that sort of bet has no appeal to me. Like how do you even sweat that one? I I mean, the stats themselves might be interesting, but I have zero desire to bet on them.
1: Yeah. I think the NHL is hoping this fall to get the uh, fastest slap shot of the day, you know, kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm mystified by that. Like that has nothing to do with winning the game. You know, understand if, you know, somebody hits a home run, well, they're more likely to win the game because that's one run, at least. And some people on base, it really increases your win probability uh, quite dramatically. Fast slap shot might mean nothing. It's not, you know, doesn't even result in a goal. So yeah. you're betting on something that, Hey, you don't, You have no freaking idea who's going to be. But it doesn't even help the team win. So, right. (laughs) But again, I'm getting out of the way. Times are changing. All (laughs) right.
2: My money for fastest slap shot is on Al Iafredi. Is he still playing? Probably not. I <laughs> doubt it, yeah. <laughs> might, have da- might have dated myself and proved why well, I'm not the target for uh, these next-gen stats bets. Right. All right. Ending the news segment on uh, what should be a relatively light note, um, Sports Illustrated is not the only past-its-prime magazine lending its name to a mobile sports book in Colorado. Maxim bet has arrived with branding based on oh. the men's lifestyle magazine that I didn't realize <laughs> until just now is still in print. Uh, Maxim is not known for its sports coverage, but there is of course overlap between its audience and the sports betting crowd. And a differentiator with most other online sports books is that Maxim bets rewards program includes possible access to parties with quote unquote celebrities and quote unquote nationally recognized DJs. Um, not, I'd sign up for the free hundred dollars if a Broncos quarterback throws for at least one yard this Sunday. There is that uh, offer out there. Not so sure I'd sign up for the parties, uh, but you know, again, you and I are not in the target demo for that anymore, John. Uh, what do you think? Does Does Maxim Bet have more potential to catch on than SI Sportsbook? And let's have some fun. What other print magazines that peaked between 1970 and 2005 might be able to join in on the sportsbook craze?
1: Yeah, you know, I did not know Maximum still existed either. And the fact that I ever knew that they did <laughs> says that at one point they had a heck of a marketing department. Because yeah. even then I wasn't in the demographic. Uh, <laughs> but I've never seen a copy of the magazine. And I guess maybe they have a website. I don't know. But um, I thought that SI actually we talked about it a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a chance to gain a foothold among older betters. That name is pretty uh, legendary, even if the product is not so much anymore. But um, I don't know what customers Maximum chases here. Is it like a tavern near a college Football stadium, where if you're a smart owner, you revamp the beer list, mixed drinks, and entertainment to keep up every, what, two, three years? Or are they trying to keep appealing to guys who are now pushing 40? Interesting experiment. And I have to say, the last I heard of Playboy was a few years ago uh, when I think they eliminated nudity in the magazine. <laughs> I mean, yep. someone there actually fell for the off-repeated line of, oh, I just buy the magazine for the articles. Yeah, <laughs> not so much. So I'm not even sure if there's a in business anymore. Um, I wasn't on the ground floor in the mid-1990s, though, when Sporting News launched a website and hired a beat guy for each of a 100 or so major pro sports teams. Hey, ten grand a year on a side for not a lot of work, given that I already traveled with a team anyway? Sure, why not? Of course, the website was free, and – who knew that spending a million bucks literally on writing talent wouldn't be worth its weight in gold? <laughs> so I doubt they've got any smarter if they indeed exist still. I'm not sure. So I'm stumped on who else is going to be able to jump in on this.
2: All right. Well, I'll, I'll add an idea to uh, to the bin. But okay. first, I'll just note that uh, I, I applaud to some degree anyone who differentiates, um, although you're kind of looking for a small niche market at this point. Uh, you're competing to a degree with barstool. You're one of like, what, almost yeah. 20 sports books now in Colorado. I think, uh, Maxim bet has to have its expectations in check. That's all I'd say. They might do okay, but it's all kind of within reason. Um, so, uh, I had, uh, two, two magazines to throw in the mix. And one is the one you mentioned, uh, that, uh, playboy, um, you know, play playboy bet or play bet. They could just call it with the uh, bunny ears or something like that. Uh, um, I will say uh, I, I have written for playboy uh, long uh, after they stopped being uh, all that relevant in the, uh, I, in I the... bought
1: that issue for your article. I do <laughs> Thank that. you.
2: Well, I was going to say, actually, my mother-in-law, article, yeah. my mother-in-law actually did buy it for my article. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I, I wrote a, a handful of times about boxing for, for playboy. Um, but there aren't any other magazine brands that really make sense to me, but uh, just for humor purposes, I would like to see a sports book from Better Homes and Gardens with "Better" spelled with an "O," Better Homes and Gardens. Oh, nice. that, that's about nice. the best joke I've got here.
1: Yeah, that that could be that. That's a, you're you're uh, looking for a female audience there, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's that. There's nobody else doing that, so you're definitely uh, separating yourself. So uh, yeah, I, I think I might might go for that one. I although will the, personally, but right. I, might, I might go for the idea of it. Yeah, I'm not
2: gonna <laughs> okay. actually you're you You're in on the joke, the pun. You you like that yeah, part of absolutely. it. Yes. Uh, although the, uh, the anti-gambling crowd might then chime in that, uh, you know, sports betting is a sure way to lose your home and your garden.
1: Well, you know, not if you bet responsibly.
2: There you go. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling.
3: Let's get to the Gamble On interview.
2: We survived seven long months without any NFL games that count, and our reward has arrived with Bucks-Cowboys kicking off the season and then a full NFL slate on Sunday. Joining us now to preview the season is a top DFS player, an analyst for ScoresAndOdds.com and Roto-Grinders. He is known in the fantasy community as G GNeifer07. He is Grant Neifer. Grant, welcome to Gamble On.
3: Thanks. It's good to be here. I've been a long way. I'm, I'm so ready. I've already just been firing off bets on the game. May not be a great idea, but I, I just I've been, yeah, I've got probably I'll have fifty lineups and then like thirty different bets. Even though it may not be the most positive EV, I'm, I'm just ready for football.
2: <laughs> Clearly, yeah, it's been pent up. You're ready to let it out in the form of uh, bets and DFS lineups. And I, w- I want to start out with your take on the defending champs, Grant. Um, the Super Bowl hangover is a phenomenon we've seen many times, but not usually with Tom Brady's teams. So. You know, what are the chances he gets old this year and the Bucks end up kind of mediocre versus the chances that by bringing back all their starters, they're even better than last year? Uh, and, and also, I'm curious for your take on their opener against Dallas now that they've moved from six point favorites to eight point favorites.
3: I mean, that's the, I don't think there's any chance that they kind of just turn bad. Like, their defense is far too good. They have way too many weapons. I mean, Tom Brady's probably going to fall off, although I've been saying that every year for a while. And while he has fallen off over the last few years a bit, he's still above average quarterback, and he knows how to manage a game. And with the with Evans, with Gronk, with Brown, with Godwin, and that great defense, like, he's almost guaranteed to at least do pretty well. Like, even if he falls off a cliff by a decent amount, he can still – Put up pretty solid numbers, and the team should do pretty well. But I wasn't really a huge fan of them last year. Even going through the playoffs, like the one game against Green Bay was clearly terrible coaching, like multiple picks that just couldn't convert. And then the Super Bowl, like they were decimated by COVID. Like the line had absolutely no time. It was it was kind of a spot where he did get lucky going through there at the beginning of the playoffs. I was kind of they were one of the more overrated teams. Really blew up in my face. Lost a lot of money on it. I think regardless, there's still going to be a very, very solid defense and they, their offense is going to be pretty efficient because if you have three pretty much all-star wide receivers, it's kind of hard not to put up big numbers unless you have a completely inept quarterback. And even if Bray's arm strength, his mobility, everything goes down, it still doesn't really matter too much because he still has the ability to manage the game, to dump off the ball to everyone. Like So I don't see really any chance that they're – anything other than at least a playoff team.
2: Okay. And and as far as that opener uh, against Dallas, uh, like I said, the line has moved a couple of points. You still liking Tampa Bay all the way up at minus eight for that one.
3: No, I'm actually on the Dallas side. And I, I mean, I think the better bet is probably the over. I mean, people forget that before Dak got injured, the Cowboys were running at the fastest pace by like, a very very heavy margin i mean granted it was a lot of game script they were in a lot of shootouts so they pretty much had to go up and down the field as quickly as possible because the defense was so bad and the defense will be improved this year but i still assume that they're probably going to be one of the faster paced teams in the league and it's going to be a much higher scoring game than people realize i mean the fact that Tampa Bay has one of the best run defense is probably the best run defense in the entire league they're gonna be forced to pass a lot and while they're good pass defense might be able to do a little bit of work against Dak it's probably not nearly enough to make up for the fact that he has Cooper that he has Gallup that he has Lamb in his second year that should be great and Dak was putting up 400 yards a game prior to getting injured so I think that the real bet in this game at least in terms of totals and spread it's you go with the total and you go with the over even playing on the road eight point favor is probably a little bit too high but I'm expecting Dallas to put up a decent amount of points here yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking ahead to the 17 game schedule,
1: uh, uh, Grant. Um, I, I think of the the futures over under one lost bets as kind of an amateur's dream. You know, I recommend it. You know, Father's Day or some a summer birthday for somebody you know that a $10 ticket or whatever on a, on the on the person's favorite team. You know to go over or even to win the super bowl and what have you but in terms of the 17 game schedule particularly as all those amateurs frankly uh many of them don't even realize there's 17 games this year so if the books ignore the change uh, the amateurs are going to tend to go under thinking gee 12 wins i don't think i'm in 12 not realize there's an extra game um but on the other hand the the handle of those people are probably small because they're already betting 10 20 at a time so a to the do you think the books even made much of an adjustment uh uh, to recognize that people aren't going to realize the 17 games, given that the pros all know it, uh, and to, so you see that in the in the totals, and it doesn't really, you know, matter in a grand scheme of things. I'm just thinking that a 500 team should go up by about a half, right? Uh, a great team should go up almost a game, and a terrible team should go uh, almost unchanged. So, uh, have, have you seen much of a change in the in the over unders, kind of accounting for the 17 game schedule?
3: I don't think so. I mean, the the great thing is now, like, there's so many sports book out. That, like, you look at, let's see, say the Eagles, and over on Bet MGM, you can get seven and a half, while over on William Hill, or now I guess Caesar's sports book, you can get six and a half. And I mean, yeah, there's a little bit in change juice, but there's so many places where it's kind of hard to kind of figure out where the numbers actually are at in comparison to last year, because there's also like so many different places where sports books are now open. So, obviously, in a place or a team like or site like SportsBetting.com, where they're only available in Denver. Like obviously the line's going to be a little bit skewed for the Broncos there. Cause everyone's betting the over on the Broncos hoping that they magically make it to the playoffs this year. While other books that are only open in four or five States, obviously see a huge increase in the over on those teams every single year. But I mean, realistically, there's not that much of a change. Like it kind of accounts for it. pretty much everyone's probably about a half game over almost every single year. If I remember correctly, the average number of totals is always like higher than the potential amount of wins because people don't like betting the under. No one, no one likes betting the under on anything. It's always not fun. So, like the under, like I, I assume that. I haven't done the numbers, but kind of what I remember from a few years ago is that if you just bet the under on every single team, then you'll probably be profitable throughout the course of the season by the end, just because, like, the odds obviously line up for it that way, and, like, people just like betting the over, so there's always more juice that like that with pretty much every single bet outside of just the totals on games, because you always have pros coming in, put on huge amounts of money on the under, just because they... Know that there, thats a better bet, than the pretty much entire general public likes about the over.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking a 32 uh, unders and just playing out the entire season. Yeah, that—that that doesn't sound fun, even though you're <laughs> probably right to win a little money. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the
2: sort of the over under win total bet is like a, a good 50-50 kind of shot way to to go through a, a season long sweat. One thing that I like to do is sort of the long shot futures season long sweat where it's just you're taking a, a, someone with high odds, hoping to bet a little and win a lot. I wrote an article actually this week highlighting some of my favorite long shots. Um, and I, and I want to get your feedback specifically on some MVP contenders or Possibly, you might say non-contenders that I highlighted. Um, and I should note first that I think going chalk with Mahomes is a pretty good value if you can still get him around plus five hundred. You can you can tell me if you disagree on that. But in terms of the long shots, there are three that I is- isolated: uh, Baker Mayfield at thirty-five to one with a lot of weapons around him, and the Browns might be a top team. Tua at seventy to one. Uh, we saw Lamar make that second-year leap to MVP a couple of years ago. And my big one, Jimmy Garoppolo is all the way at 200 to one at one sports book. The Niners could be a top team. And if he plays well and they keep winning, maybe Trey Lance doesn't get the job that everyone assumes is his this year. So what do you like there? What do you hate there? And is there anyone I didn't name that, that you happen to love for MVP?
3: Yeah, well, first thing I should say is probably should drop scores and odds over there. Honestly, one of my favorite things is their shopping tool. So I actually have it in front of me and you can see exactly what the odds are for MVP on every single legal sports book. So if you're in a legal state, it's perfect. I mean, you talked about Mahomes, places where you can get them at plus 500. That MGM has currently at plus 600. Hmm. And I actually think that's pretty solid value there. Over at 450 at points bet, probably not great, but the plus 600, I mean, you think about it, you think about all the great quarterbacks, like the best quarterbacks of our time. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Manning specifically over the last 10 years. You can make an argument that any of them was the best at certain times. Mahomes is 100% the best right now. I don't think many people would argue with that too much. He has the weapons. He has the offense. He has everything. And he has obviously the talent. And so you think about all three of those great quarterbacks during our time, how often do they win the MVP? I mean, I think Peyton probably had five. I want to say Brady had four. Rodgers I think has three. So you think about over the course of a 15-, 18-year career, and it kind of averages out to more than one every six years. So I'm never going to argue with taking the favorite. If you get pretty decent odds, it looks like Mahomes at plus 600. Over on MGM is pretty decent odds. I don't mind that Baker call. I mean, obviously, OBJ coming back, like the Browns are a good team. They are a little bit run-heavy, which does make me worry that you might not get Baker as the MVP considering they will rely so much on that run game, kind of the same thing with Tannehill, that you can get a 38 to one um, knowing that Derrick Henry is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, but Baker's still not a bad one at that price tag Tua, I don't know. I'm not a fan of him. He's made me very angry in DFS many times. So that's, I think that's just me, but I mean, my kind of longer shots ones um, Russell Wilson at plus 2000 over at Bet MGM, 600 points higher than DraftKings and points bet. It's kind of the softer lines there. I mean, people forget that the first, what, six, seven, eight weeks of the season last year, Russell Wilson was the absolute favorite to win the MVP. I think it was at minus 150 odds at one point during the season. Obviously, it didn't work out well. Pete Carroll decided, hey, we're winning. Let's decide to run the ball instead for no apparent reason. But, he, I mean, he's got the weapons. It may have been able to scheme against him a little bit, obviously, just dropping back a little bit more, realizing that they're probably going to run the ball or throw it deep. It's changed, and more often to figure it out. But I mean, you talk about just pure talent. Russell Wilson's kind of right up there with Mahomes, Rogers, all those guys. And so, twenty to one odds for a guy that's never won the MVP. So you also have the like one of the greatest QBs of our time, like never getting an MVP. There's always the chance that they might have at the end of the season. Like if it's between him and Mahomes. And Rogers may be like, all right, I think this is Russell Wilson's year. So him at 20 to one is, I think, a pretty solid bet. And there was one other that I can't remember. Oh, Jalen Hurts at 80 to one. If you want a long shot, I mean, who knows if he'll even finish the season? But what he was doing in the first few game or the last few games they actually played last season, like he was one of the top players in the top QBs in the league during that time frame. So 80 to one, adding of Smith to the offense has a little bit more offensive weapons. Second year, you talked about Lamar Jackson going into the second year. Well, this is kind of the same scenario as him. And Tua, like, yes, he may get dethroned, but you're getting 80-to-1 odds, massive odds on him. So I don't hate that, especially if you're, like, over on DraftKings. Let's say you have a $20 free bet where you're not getting the equity back. You want to use that for higher odds things. Like, $20 free bet will win you, what, is it 80-to-1? So, so 800 bucks. Yep. So, I mean, it's not a bad way to just use one of those $20 free bets. there, just yeah. thrown out by a mission.
2: Although uh, I have to note, I'm an, I'm an Eagles fan and um, I have low expectations coming into the season. Not that Hertz can't put up big numbers, but I'm not sure how the Eagles get to enough wins to win him. The MVP would be my pushback on that.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's not a terrible take,
2: <laughs> but still, like you said, at 80 to one, you're not risking much and you might win a lot. So, yeah.
3: All right I'm I'm
1: getting ready for the possibly overthinking category which is uh effective covid on the NFL this season I'm already thinking a lot of ways um you know in DFS or does is there a little bit of more of the uh, going back to handcuffing and running backs, obviously it depends on what kind of bench and league parameters, but um, cause you're worried about a guy might miss a week. Um, do we have to know if a, if a player tests positive on Monday, is he absolutely out six days later, or is it possible he can get up negatives to play uh, then um, over unders yardage wise, I'm thinking for a quarterback, a running back or a receiver, first of all, you want to play in all 17 games and maybe they can't. And then if you say, well, the wide receiver stays healthy, but uh, what if the quarterback misses a week? Or uh, the running back's healthy, but what if two offensive linemen, including the left tackle, are out? You know, that's going to probably impact their yards a little bit. So, uh, like, the upside uh, for the season, what everybody hopes is there's really no significant impact from COVID uh, this year, even, maybe even less than last year. And then the over-unders are what they say they are. But – the unforeseen is possible with this new strain and all that so is it more tempting than to bet unders on on yardage totals or or like I said am I overthinking all of this
3: I think you might be overthinking about it like the main thing is unvaccinated players a guy like Cole Beasley maybe um Cam Newton if he signs with another team is another example I haven't looked terribly into it I don't bet a ton of season-long unders but the unvaccinated players the big thing with that is with contact tracing I think if you're within close contact of someone it's an automatic like out for 10 days so unvaccinated players may end up lo- missing like three four five it's impossible to miss six games in certain scenarios just because of how much like that can affect it obviously if a player gets covid the likelihood of them getting covid again later on the season is pretty darn close to zero unless a new variant emerges emerges so getting a guy that you know is for sure vaccinated and kind of overthinking it and saying well maybe bet the under on this guy because they they could end up getting covid is really not the best idea in the world considering like it's kind of as likely like it's slightly more likely than it is to just get a regular injury like it's not too much expected miss games games of anything it's at on average probably going to be 0.3 miss games per player um, so it's really not a great thing to just hammer the under on guys that you know are vaccinated. I know that certain things, I think Tampa Bay is at 100% vaccination, so it kind of goes out the window with them. I mean, yes, COVID could go through their locker room, but that many unvaccinated players, you kind of know that, the likelihood of getting a huge outbreak and get missing like six, eight guys is not terribly likely, even though they can get it. It does provide 50, 60% protection. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. That's not the exact number. I'm not a doctor. I just, but it's kind of a spot where you don't really need to look into it too much, except for maybe on unvaccinated guys that have been very vocal about not getting vaccinated because again, that 10 day contact tracing thing, if you're just in close proximity of a guy, which is, pretty decent likelihood we saw it 40 times last season i think so that could be an overestimation but we saw it a lot last season yeah. so they definitely can happen and they could not get covid and they'll be back 10 days later and then there's always a chance that it happens again or they actually get covid and if you're unvaccinated obviously the chances of it lasting longer are significantly higher
1: Yeah. so vaccinated unvaccinated kind of joins that decades-long issue of the inside info on injury so uh it's a little different because it's not it's almost like an injury that is uh, not enough to keep the player out, but could linger down the road, you know, like a sore shoulder or something like that. And it's good to know if it's there because that might impact them down the road, even if they play the following week. So uh, on the one hand, it'd be nice for the NFL to be able to tell us exactly who is and who isn't, but uh, we have a little bit of a privacy issue there. So much as us gamblers want every piece of information we can have publicly known. Uh, I think we're going to let that slide. And that's uh, the wrong business.
3: Do a lot of teams have uh I, I, I just know that Tampa Bay said like highest vaccination rate. And I think that Minnesota has the lowest. So you can kind of go off that playing the odds and probability there, especially younger players are drastically more likely to not get vaccinated. And I think uh, healthier, like you look at wide receivers, cornerbacks, running backs, guys that pretty much anyone but linemen um, are more, less likely to get the vaccine just based off of, their minds knowing that they're younger they're in good shape they're less likely to get it bad so I think that that's the more likely probabilities which is all skilled players pretty much outside like QBs who some of them can be in their mid-30s at this point you don't see that too often with running backs wide receivers so something to think about you can run the numbers maybe on like Minnesota like maybe take the under on Jefferson or Thielen or Cook knowing that there's a small chance if they haven't come out publicly saying that they're Vaccinated, that they might be unvaccinated, just based on the odds of the team being the lowest vaccinated team.
2: Yeah, my uh, my advice, uh, and this is based on uh, a bit of a bit of assumption, which is always a little dangerous. But uh, my my advice is that if the uh, player, you brought up privacy issue, John. If the player, if you ask if a player is unvaccinated, and he says that's a private matter. I assume it means he's unvaccinated. That's that tends to be the way that these things uh, things are going. But uh, yeah, Tampa Bay. It sounds like that's one. If they say a hundred percent, then uh, then there's no question which guy isn't. We know they all are. Uh, all right, really interesting stuff, Grant. Uh, we appreciate you coming on uh, Gamble on with us this week. Uh, you mentioned scoresandodds.com. Is there anywhere else uh, people should go to to check out your work?
3: Yeah, we'll definitely check out that. Like we have, we've been crushing it during baseball, crushing it during golf, giving picks every single day. Again, there's a tool where you can check all the differences in price shopping. So if you are in a state with five sportsbook and you're playing on all of them, it's just based on that. It's probably worth the sign-up. But also over on Roto Grinders, I'm on Grinders Live. I'm on Morning Grind pretty often. Every Sunday morning, I'll be on with a few guys about an hour or two before uh, lineups lock. But yeah, those two sites basically go check them out. Obviously, two of the best in the business. I'm a big fan of them. I'm a big fan of my numbers. I think I'm up 60 units on MLB this season um, with like a 67% win rate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, football hopefully goes the same.
2: All right. Well, good luck with that. And uh, thanks again for coming on the podcast.
3: Yeah. No problem. Thanks for having me. Two men. Two
0: men. $10,000.
3: Will they run it up or
0: blow it all?
3: It's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll.
2: The return of the Fast Five, our season-long head-to-head NFL picks competition, is coming up shortly. But first, let's dive into the betting bankroll. John, you caught both ends of the bad beat, good beat spectrum. You had the San Francisco Giants on the run line Thursday at plus 115 odds. It was 1-1 in the eighth, and they needed to win by two. So we were drawing thin. But we got a two out, bases empty rally capped by a three run homer for the win. Um, <laughs> then you had Ohio State minus 14 and a half. And by game time, the line had moved to 13 and a half, but we were on the wrong side of the hook. And the game landed on exactly 14 points, thanks in large part to a referee blowing his whistle early. John, I know you want to vent about that. So uh, go ahead and take a minute before I get to the other results.
1: Yes, it was one of those maybe sparing, maybe not calls late on Ohio State in the game. Uh, much clearer was the fact that, A, the receiver did fumble the ball, and B, a Buckeyes defender did return it for a touchdown. Oh, but the play was blown dead by a dumb official. And then it turns out the play was not determined to be sparing after all. Oops, but that's okay. It's a 14-point game. Who cares? What difference does it make? Makes a little bit of a difference. Uh, Now, look, sure, I was busy at the time, and I'm making the bet. And, yes, in a vacuum, the odds of this result being exactly by 14 points is so slim that who cares if I'm given 14 and a half? It's not going to make a difference. Yeah. Well, it was slim until your pregame Slack message after you got the moving spread news that I gave you. And I quote, oh, boy, hope it doesn't land on 14, which increased the likelihood, I would say, north of 80% at that point. And there we are. Um, So in every state with multiple legal sports book, and there are many of them out there, commit yourself to checking at least three sites on every single bet. Nobody, including me, is really too busy to do that modest bit of work. Yeah, it's too late for us on this bet, but listeners, save yourselves. Eventually, you're going to land a 200-unit swing like this, and it'll be all worth it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all right. I'll take the heat for this one. uh, But certainly, (laughs) that that is good advice there to uh, to shop around, make sure you're getting the best possible number. Um, But, you
1: know, it's funny because – there are people who are smart enough to realize that even if you bet once, it's still worth that little effort because you never know. And then there are dumb people like me who think like, but in a vacuum one game, there's almost no way that game is going to go right to 14. I mean, it's not, but guess what? I've, I've made dozens of picks over the last three years. So you know what, you make enough picks, it's going to happen. And it did and it bit me and uh, I apologize for that. Nice deflection by me on your little pregame comment, Jinx, <laughs> yeah. but uh, ultimately this is, this one's on me.
2: Okay. All right. Well, nevertheless, you did win $5 for us between those two <laughs> bets. We came out ahead and uh, and my one bet was a winner as Garbine Muguruza won a tough three-setter at even money to advance at the U.S. Open, earning us $75. So we won $80 on the week. We're now $730 in the hole, plus we have $1,657 on hold in futures bets. That leaves $7,613 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. And just for you, John, I know you love parlays and teasers. Let's kick off (laughs) NFL season with a (laughs) three-team teaser. Uh, We move each line six points. We have a few favorites I like who are favored by about a touchdown. So we can move them each to almost just being money line bets. Uh, We start with Thursday night. Tampa at minus eight is no sure thing, but we can move them to minus two against Dallas at home. We have the Rams, seven and a half point favorites at home against the Bears. We move them to one and a half point favorites. And lastly, the 49ers are in Detroit favored by that same seven and a half. So we get them at minus one and a half. So we basically need each of these big favorites to win by at least two points. And the odds come out to plus 140. So we'll risk $100 to win 140 on this one. And I'll ask you, John, uh, as I always like to, which team blows
1: it for us? Oh, that's a good one. They might all (laughs) blow it, but uh, I'm going to say the 49ers blow it
2: okay I, i'd rather go oh for three than two for three uh, if it's oh, absolutely a, if it, if but it's, you will go it, two for
1: three i mean it's, right yeah. <laughs> it's just which one costs us okay that's how these things work yeah yep. um so now with your tease i have to make damn sure i hit a couple of winners this week um <laughs> now there's a sequel to my earlier point about how you have to check the lines and it's a it's a happier result um i had a 25 dollar free bet that i used for the under on all miss versus louisville on monday night i mean i saw 73 and a half 74 and 74 and a half because i did check three sites mm. i thought this was go way under but i wasn't making this mistake again now the game is going way under at nine nothing all miss at the one quarter 26 nothing at the half 29 10 at the three quarters and with two minutes left wait it's 43 24 yes that's 67 and i have Ooh. a seven point cushion instead of six and a half or six and it was a sweat as uh, one of the teams got down to the 20 yard line but I had seven was okay. I could still, I was still a winner because I went for the 74 and a half. So there is a, a point to going for that. And uh, I felt good because I, I owned the stupidity of my Ohio State pick. And then, you know, another day or two later, I actually made the effort and I was rewarded by uh, fate yeah. or something. So I like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, sticking with college football, I love Michigan and the big House on Saturday night against Washington, which fought like lions and nearly knocking off powerhouse Montana. No, I'm kidding. That's a terrible loss <laughs> for the Huskies. And new Rockney is not coming into that pregame locker room with a speech that makes those Huskies confident uh, against playing a real team like Michigan. Not as real as they used to be, but they're pretty real. Now I see Michigan is minus seven, but only minus 105 at the DraftKings. Same at BetGM, same at points bet. There's a new kid on the block in a jersey, Barstool. I checked them. Minus seven, but at 110. That's no good. So Michigan, 105 to 100, minus seven over Washington.
2: Okay. I like it. Um, So as I noted, when we talked to Grant, I wrote an article for us bets about some extreme long shots that I think have a little value. So let's do three of them for possible season long sweats and we can consider a hedge if any of them are looking good late in the year here goes. Uh, First, the LA chargers at 40 to one to win the super bowl, uh, new, probably better coach. Uh, they finished last season strong. They have a a second year quarterback who was the offensive rookie of the year. Most books have them around 30 to one, but we can get 40 to one at bet. Fred. Uh, that's a good price for a team with talent. Let's risk a modest $15 to win 600. Uh, next we discussed the MVP options with grant. He didn't like the Tua pick at all, but, I like it. I think it has a chance at 70 to one. No, he did not look great in his roughly half a season as starter last year, but there's room for improvement. The dolphins did go 10 and six on the season and could be a good team again. I think he fits the Lamar year two profile better than Jalen hurts does at least at 70 to one, no harm in being wrong. Let's bet 10 bucks to win 700. And lastly, I like the number of 41 to one on Kyler Murray to lead the league in passing yards. Uh, His receiving core is slightly improved. He cut down significantly on his running in the second half of the 2020 season, and fewer scrambles means more throws, means more passing yards. And they are in that really tough NFC West division. The Cardinals should be playing from behind fairly frequently, and that's exactly how Deshaun Watson had the most passing yards last season, by being on a bad team that was always playing from behind. Uh, Kyler would have to make a bit of a leap, but I can see a path to it. It's a fun long shot. Let's go. $15 to win 615. So that's $40 in total invested in these three bets. And like I said, hedge opportunities might present themselves late in the season, if one of them is a top two or three contender.
1: Yeah, I like that compared to your uh, teaser bet, which was a sure loser. So at least this way, you're only zero one like for the you're, week. You're,
2: la- you're laying into my teaser being such a sure loser that now I'm feeling good. I think you're trying to reverse jinx it, and now it's a sure winner. Although now I just reverse reverse. Yeah, you
1: did. It. You did. Yeah. So <laughs> I think uh, I think you you knocked out. You had me. You had me <laughs> picked But no, now, now uh, we're out. Well. So yeah, so I'm going back to baseball. I'm on a nice winning streak here. Um, on Thursday, give me the Mets. Uh, Uh, minus one and a half runs even though they're minus 105 to win 105 to win 100. Uh, Marcus Stroman against the Marlins. Marlins are not really trying. They're playing a lot of rookies. Uh, They don't know what they're doing. Um, When they have a good starting pitcher, which they have some, uh, they can win as they did Wednesday night. Uh, But uh, not so much today. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is not ready. He's too raw. And so I think the Mets should win this one handily.
2: Yeah, I think the Marlins got their one victory of the series out of their system on Wednesday. I don't see them winning another one. So, okay, I like that bet. Um, Let's wrap up the show with the return of the Fast Five, our own mini super contest. Last year, John finished one game over 500 and I finished one game under 500, giving John a two to one lead in our lifetime series and bragging rights heading into year four. And I go first to kick off the season. So here are my five favorite sides for week one using the Westgate Super Contest lines. I'm going to come right out firing on the Thursday game and I'm sort of going against my teaser bet, but not really because I have a healthy middle here. Anyway, Grant liked the Cowboys at plus eight. And for the super contest, they're plus eight and a half. Uh, I think it's the right side. This line has moved just a little too much. Dak and that Dallas offense can put up some points and keep this close ish. And at eight and a half points, I could easily see the backdoor cover hitting. So I'll be either 1-0 and or 0-1 after tonight. Why wait till Sunday to set the tone, right? Um, Next, sticking with teams involved in my three-team tees, give me the Niners minus 7.5 in Detroit. Big talent gap here. Niners poised to bounce back from a horrendous season uh, where everything went wrong. I don't love giving up that hook, but in the two-point conversion era, eight tends to be a key number also. So again, taking the Niners minus 7.5. Uh, next I hinted at this one when I took the Broncos over eight and a half wins last week on the podcast, I think they're getting the banged up giants at a good time. I would expect the New York team to come out of the gate slow. Plus the Broncos are just a better team anyway, in my view. And Teddy Bridgewater, great stat here, 21 and three against the spread as a starter on the road. That's insane. That's why they call him Teddy covers. It's uh, Denver minus three. I'll take them to win and cover. Next up is probably my most confident play of the week Packers minus four versus the Saints in neutral Jacksonville uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Jameis Winston Devonte Adams versus not Michael Thomas gimme Green Bay in that one and lastly back to teams involved in my three team tees Sunday night game Rams minus seven and a half at home against Andy Dalton and the Bears. It's a team I think is probably headed for an 11 and six or so season against one headed for about a six and 11 season. Uh, Good start for Stafford. I think the Rams defense is too much for Dalton. Maybe this goes so badly that the Justin Fields era starts in week two. In any case, I like the Rams to cover despite again, giving up that sort of hook at seven and a half. So those are my five picks. What do you got, John?
1: Well, I might note that in 2018 and 2070, in 170 combined picks, uh, we went exactly 500, both seasons, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, 2019 you were over 500, I think around 52%. I was, I think 59%. So I'd rather focus on that, but uh, so we're very mediocre, except when we're great. So who knows what happens this year Uh, now I've gotten off to excellent starts through 10 weeks of all three seasons of picks uh, Collapsed in 2018 faded in 2020. And then again, crushing it all of 2019. Uh, so, you know, 51 weeks total, maybe two or three, I'm under 500 for any season. So now I've just clinched my own five start. So
0: <laughs> here it <Yeah>. goes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Texans plus, uh, three, uh, versus, at home versus the Jaguars rookie quarterbacks in week one debuts don't do so well. Trevor Lawrence was kind of pampered at Clemson, two awful teams, but sometimes I'd like the already dead one better. And that's the Texans. Uh, Next, uh, the Patriots uh, minus three versus the Dolphins. Uh, This is an anti-tua play and a pro-Mac Jones-Belichick play. And I'll say I'm more confident in the former than the latter. But I think the Patriots win whichever theme prevails. Next with you, Broncos minus three at Giants. You know, when teams got down to 53 active players last week, there was lots of roster shuffling, but nobody took anyone the Giants didn't want. And one New York tabloid writer proffered that maybe that shows the Giants got their best 53 right. Really, (laughs) really clever, uh, you know, management. Yeah, I laughed. So quarterback, offensive line, running back Barkley, all our question marks, key players are banged up and so on. Then this against the Broncos defense, forget about it. Uh, I'm also with you on Packers uh, minus four. Uh, versus Saints in Jacksonville. You know, the rumor is the Saints picked a southern city because it easily is the most expensive trip from Green Bay, so Packers Nation won't travel. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like three or four connections and a four figure ticket, but Packer fans will travel. Yeah. You'll notice it. Uh, more importantly, angry Aaron Rodgers is the best Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And Drew, Drew Brees is on my TV screen constantly hawking one of the New Jersey sports book. I can't recall which one. He's not on the field. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that we both like that one. And I think yeah. we're a winner. Uh, finally, the Raiders plus four and a half versus the Ravens. Monday Night Football and craziness will ensue. Now the Raiders quietly but massively upgraded the defense from coordinator and across the board on the field. Plus, they can score. They may, they may win this game outright.
2: All right. Solid picks. And I, I hope you do not go. Oh, and five. We uh, yeah, right. have two shared picks. I'm rooting for you to go a solid two and three to start your season. John. Okay. Fair enough. All right. And that'll do it for this episode of gamble on. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest Grant Niefer. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets. Go to us for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple podcast, Spotify, or anywhere else and with that john please do your thing and take us
0: out
1: well eric we always have fun noting how i do always have a tale to tell about well pretty much any topic at all (laughs) and this is an exciting weekend with baseball pennant races college football plus of course the nfl's opening weekend uh this closing isn't as much fun but hang in there and you're gonna feel better in a couple of minutes i promise uh aside from my father being a new york city firefighter for 39 years though long retired as of 9 11 coming up 20 years on saturday uh, a few years later, I visit ground zero and there on the wall are the names of those lost that day. One name is a firefighter named Peter J. Brennan. That's my father's first name, middle initial and last name. I can't really describe that moment. So where's the uplift in all this? Uh, I'll tell you. The photographer who took the iconic shot of the three firemen raising the American flag on 9-11, so similar to the epic World War II Iwo Jima photo, happened to be a close colleague of mine at the Bergen Record. That's possibly the most memorable photo of the last 50 years. And how much money did the newspaper and the photographer make off it? Nothing. This was a family owned newspaper at the time. The chief counsel was part of the family. She went after anybody anywhere with a vengeance whenever anybody tried to make a buck off that photo. That's blood money. And a photographer, he's not interested in you knowing his name, so I won't mention it out of respect. So with all the feelings that are going to stem from all of us whenever we see that photo this week, I just want you all to know that the backstory is as pure as that photo. With that, until next time, gamble on and enjoy the return of the NFL.